Hello. I'm oh, sorry. That's all right. It's never happened before. It took me a second to find figure out where the password was. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. How are you? Good. Um, where are you located? Um, so I live in D.C. currently. Oh, how are things there? It's not too bad. Um, I think they're about to like lift things pretty soon, so we might be able to go back to work, which is great. <laughs> what do you do? Uh, I'm a consultant. Oh, okay. <sighs> no working from home, or are you working from home? I am working from home, yeah. Yes. What state are you in? I live in Denver. I'm currently in Kansas. Oh, wow. Yeah, I moved to Denver from Wichita, and I'm just like, was going crazy. So I was like, I'll go to Kansas for like two weeks, and then I'll go back and not go anywhere for two weeks. Also, <laughs> my student loans are being refunded to my um because from they took them for my student loans and it's going to my mother's house which is here oh wow so i had it's a lot of money so i gotta wait for that <laughs> so i'm stuck in kansas kind of i knew this was gonna happen but i'm not stuck here permanently <laughs> are you in the same time zone or um it's central so no okay Colorado <laughs> is I don't remember, an hour earlier? I gained an hour when I go back, yeah. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. That's been a, took me a little bit because then I'm talking to people all over. I haven't really gotten any West Coast people. It's mostly been East Coast and Colorado. I need to get some West Coast people on here. Yeah, I found out about you through the women's comedy group, and that's for DC only, I think. So uh, maybe you should venture into like the California groups or something. Yeah, I'm in all the groups. I posted it in all the groups. But I think I need to like individually invite some LA comics I know, <laughs> you know, like personally, because there, there's so many in those groups that there's no way you can pay attention to all of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, I just thought about that. But, uh, yeah, so this is the Art of Comedy podcast. So um, did you look in, did, were you able to look at the link and see what the nonprofit's about, Art of Comedy? Yeah, so you guys are basically, like, promoting, um, like, comedy classes to, like, women and, like, LGBT groups. Um, we're going to pay for the classes. Okay, yeah, you're offering, like, scholarships yeah. and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because I know that comedy has really helped me, and I just think that it can help other people, women mm -hmm. and queer people and troubled youth. Um, so first, I'd like to start with just like your comedy background, like um, how long have you been doing it? How did you get into it? Um, so I actually just like woke up one morning and decided that I actually wanted to do comedy. Um, once I graduated from college, you know, um, obviously, like everyone else, like I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, even though, I mean, I, I, I studied econ, but I got a job and everything, but I realized this is like boring as hell. Like people are like so serious and they're so tired of my shit all the time. Cause I'm just joking around so much, but I do get my work done. Um, but they just see me as like someone that just like fucks around all the time, yeah. which is, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not lying, but I realized that like my true passion is in like stand up comedy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I started, um, I guess, well, I took my... 
how did you come to the realization that it, were you always a comedy fan? Um, a little bit. Um, so I, I used to live in Arlington, Virginia, and um, I lived close to this place called the Draft House Comedy. And so um, I think it was like a half like movie theater. Um, no one really went there that much, but when I got bored, I would just like check it out. But um, I've seen like Andrew Santino live like a few times. Um, Bobby Lee and Mad TV. Mad TV was like my favorite since I was little. Unfortunately, I grew up like watching Mad TV when I was like a small child, which is really yeah. bad. Me, no, <laughs> parents let me watch. Well, I mean, I'm, I don't know how old you are, but I was born in 77, you know, and they let me watch um, Saturday Night Live in the 80s and Mad TV and Kids in the Hall. And I was a really little too young for some of those. They let me watch all of it. Mad TV is amazing. I love Bobby Lee. Who's your favorite character? I don't really remember. I haven't watched it recently. <laughs> so young. I was more into SNL in the 80s than anything. I couldn't tell you who was on the cast in the 80s. I have a terrible memory. Same. It, it happens when it really goes bad when you hit 40 you're like who's the guy like you used to make fun of old people for doing that and now <laughs> you're one of them i can't remember anyone's name and i'm plucking my chin hairs in the sun on the front porch <laughs> that's where the best light is you know <laughs> i remember making fun of my mother for that and uh now i gotta do it so watch out kids <laughs> fun of us old people um Sorry, go on with your Arlington, Virginia. I'll get off on a tangent. <laughs> That's all right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've seen some comedians live. Um, I don't know if any of them really inspired me to like be a comic. I kind of just realized that I wanted to do it on like impulse, honestly. Um, I impulsively signed up for a stand-up comedy class in February of this year. <laughs> Um, and I, I took one class. Yeah, I took one class with them. Um, have you heard of lit comedy? Sounds vaguely familiar. It's relatively new. It's in DC. Um, and, um, it's really affordable. It's like, I think $200, um, which is like amazing. Cause most like standup classes are like 300, 400. No, the class, I think the Christy Buckley teaches at Voodoo, teaches at Voodoo Lounge in, uh, or Voodoo Comedy in Denver is maybe 250 somewhere in there um it's not very expensive and she's I've, I've interviewed a couple of her students on here and yeah she i've i've interviewed one student but i've seen um them on stage like at mics and stuff for students you know and i just they're just it blows my mind how much not necessarily like just how much more confident they are and how much more um, their stage presence is already like six months to a year better than if they just went up there on their own. That's amazing. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That must, they must have like a really good instructor. Yeah. She, she's really good. She's super funny too. And she's been doing it like 10 years, I think. Oh my gosh. Like she supports herself mostly on comedy. So, but that's another thing too. I want to like recruit teachers where there aren't teachers so that they can get, um, you know, income. So it's twofold. But, um, so you took the class at lit. 
Yeah. How'd that go? Um, it was pretty good. I got to learn a lot that I didn't, that I probably wouldn't have ever known if I didn't take the class. Like, you know, you got like your own persona and you're like looking through like the lens of that persona. And then you're like pretty much just drawing out your experiences. And I mean, I, I guess I didn't really know what stand up comedy was. I thought it was like, I don't know, just like funny, like tweets or something, you know? Yeah. But it's so much more than that. It's an art form. I mean, it really, yeah, it really is. is. <laughs> yeah. Before, before I, I didn't really see it as an art form before I started doing comedy. Um, I was trash before I started doing comedy when it came to comedy. Like I, I'll admit it. I didn't like Mitch Hedberg and I love Dane Cook. Um, and now as soon as I started doing comedy, I, I like, I finally got Mitch Hedberg and I was like, ah, ha ha. Now I get, I get why it's good, you know, but yeah, I wasn't, I liked SN, like comedy shows, but I wasn't into stand-up really before I started stand-up. Okay. Yeah. So like SNL. Yeah. It's, it's nice that they're still airing on like Mad TV, right? Yeah. No, and I saw an SNL now. Have you watched it recently? Since I haven't. I don't even watch TV. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't really watch TV either. But my, well, it's on streaming. Stuff, YouTube. But my, yeah. my friends here that I'm staying with, they have uh, her and her son watch it. And it was on Saturday and I happened to be up. And it's not that bad. It's, some of it was pretty good. I mean, it was kind of like the way Saturday Night Live always is. Like some of it was just like, too far and too long <laughs> but <laughs> you know it was still pretty good you can still see like the production value in it for sure they're doing a really good job with the situation they're in you know but, definitely um how long was the comedy class um so it was um i believe there were about five classes one once a week yeah um, we met for like, I think two to three and a half hours, I think. Yeah. There were a lot of women in it. Surprisingly, uh, that, what, that class in particular had like the most women. Usually it's like more men than women, but surprisingly there's like only one guy. No. Yeah. That's how we're, that's, that's the couple people I've talked to that teach comedy. That's how it is. There's a, the, I think it's a community college in Colorado Springs has a class. It's taught by a man, but um, they let them do their, like, I was at a contest in, at the comedy club there, and they let them do their, like, graduation, um, performance that night, so it was their first performance in front of a real audience, right, and they, there were a variety of people, I would say it was probably half women, half men, but there were kids, there was, like, a 20-year-old kid, 21-year-old kid, all the way up to, like, this dude that was, like, I don't know, 70, 80 years old, at least. Right. And they yeah. were all so fucking funny. And, um, yeah, I was just like, that's when I actually like really got the idea to do the classes because originally this was just going to be, I, I did the art of female comedy festival, you know, and it was about empowering women. And I was, somebody was like, if you start a nonprofit, you'll be more likely to get sponsors because they'll get a tax write-off. And I was like, Oh, so I'll make the non the festival a nonprofit. No, no brainer. But then I was 
working with this lady that helps nonprofit um, here in Wichita. It's called Nonprofit Go. And she was like, well, you need like a better mission statement than empowering women. Like, what are you doing to help the community? You know? And I was like, well, the festival is just empowers the women and it makes people laugh. I don't know. You know what I mean? And so she's like, well, the festival would be like a fundraiser for the nonprofit. So what, and then that started building. So I was thinking about that. And then when I saw those students, I was like, look at these people. It was beautiful. I wanted to cry. It was beautiful. Just an <laughs> 80 year old dude getting up there. He just went and took this class and he was like having the time of his life and he was funny. Yeah. That's amazing. It was great. It, and so how else are you like promoting this? Um, I, it's a, it's such in its baby phases. Um, I'd originally intended to do this like at first with, you know, like a camera guy and, you know, a real like high quality video interview mm-hmm. with these, but then everything got shut down. And I was like, I don't just want to, especially if things are shut down till God knows when, you know, I, I don't want to just be sitting here doing nothing, spinning my wheels, you know, I was like, I got to do something. Um, so I started this, I, I had just started, I had a monthly show at bug theater where the festival is going to happen. That was going to be a fundraiser. And then I had a monthly show at a pizza place that was going to, you know, promote it to as a newbie showcase. Cause I really like new comedians. Uh huh. I love them. That's the thing about those, the people that were in that class. I want to call them the kids that were in that class, but these were not kids. They're a lot of more, way older than me. Um, They were once kids. Yes. But they were, (laughs) they were all together. There was all races. There was all ages. There was, it was just the most eclectic, beautiful, like you, you couldn't have picked a more diverse class. Right. And uh, they were all just so excited and they were all together. They all sat together. They were all talking. They were all friends. They already had this group and they were so excited. I just love the energy that new comics have, you know, so much keeps you, keeps you young, keeps you fresh. I mean, I've only been here (laughs) four years, but, um, you know, most of my, what I would call peers, you know, in the higher, I see, I see comedy. It doesn't matter about how old you are. It's like, how long have you been doing comedy and where is kind of like where you are in school, like college, like this is Mm -hmm. like, I'm in comedy college right now. And like Christy Bukley got like a comedy, like masters, and now she's working on her PhD and teaching people. You know what I mean? Right, right. It gets so much better with age and experiences and everything. And so I'm, you know, and you can go through college faster or slower. You can take one class at a time. You can just bust it out and take 17 hours, you know, so people are different. I'd say I'm like a junior in college. I feel like maybe Like (laughs) like I'm. I'm looking at going into my junior year and uh, school's been a little delayed right now, you know, so I'm trying some online classes, but it's not really working as well as in-person teaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm like uh-huh. heading into my junior year <laughs> and up into it and then it got, got shut down. So I really don't want a PhD in comedy though. Um, really? What would you rather do? I'd like to just get a nice solid master's and uh, become not a teacher necessarily, but you know, with the nonprofit, get other, like, I don't know, manage or something. I'm not sure. I haven't really investigated what all the different roles do, but I mean, it could just be my nonprofit. 
that would be sufficient enough for me if I could just get the nonprofit to a point where I can pay me and other people to do it. That would be great. Yeah, that does sound great. At least you're starting somewhere. So that's good. And I don't, cause I don't need a lot of money here. Like I don't, I don't need a lot of money to live. Like I made $21,000 last year and most of it, I lived in Denver. <laughs> Ballin. I don't need a lot of money to be happy. Um, mm-hmm. I do right now cause I'm really bored and can't go anywhere. So a lot of money would make me feel much better at the moment, but <laughs> normally I don't care. I'm never home. My rent's 500. It's pretty cool. That's amazing. Gosh, I'd kill to have that rent. I got so lucky in Denver. Yeah. My roommates are cool. I've been there since December. We've never had one issue really with each other. Not any animosity, nothing. That's amazing. Problems. We just, you know, we, someone sees the trash and is need taken out. They take it out. Sometimes <sighs> I do, sometimes they do. You see the toilet paper's running low, you get more toilet paper. It's just. Everyone's like mature. They're mature and, you know, they, they're clean, but they're not too clean. Would it be bad if they're too clean? Yeah, man. Cause I'm not too clean. (laughs) It'd make you feel bad. (laughs) It would make me feel very anxious. (laughs) It's like, oh man, I got to step up my game now. Yeah. It would make me feel very anxious and like alien I don't know. yeah I can't take it if someone's too clean um because I can't keep myself up to that standard for very long and I'm gonna annoy them I know it and then oh, man and then we're gonna fight um yeah but I mean like they we do our dishes but maybe not necessarily like the like the next day maybe we don't leave them in there for very long we clean up after ourselves fairly good as we go. So it's lived That's amazing. In. It's lived in, but it's not dirty. They have a lot of plants. It's really like, it's really hippie. They're really, it's really like a hippie dippy vibe. Um, yeah, they got it decorated pretty well. She's kind of hippie dippy. He's, he's a, he's a gay guy. So it's pretty well. Oh, gross. I'm kidding. <laughs> huh? I said, oh, gross. No. I was kidding. (laughs) I'm glad he's, I was actually just talking to my friend. I'm not going to, Helen, edit this part out. Well, I'll put it up for Fat Lonely Bitch. If you don't mind, I have a second podcast, Fat Lonely Bitch, but I I don't edit those. I just throw them up there because I edit the art of comedy ones really well. And so I'm not going to, you haven't really said anything that you would want to edit it out anyway yet. Yeah, I honestly don't mind. No, I, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, no, you can't, I can't have a roommate that I might find attractive at all right now. So I'm glad that my roommate's gay. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I I like women too, but I'm not attracted to my roommates at all, ever. Yeah, same. I live with one other person currently. I actually just moved into this apartment. Um, I was living actually about like 10 minutes away, um, in like this group home. I was living with like five other people and, um, I eventually, I moved out cause there was this one guy who would get shit faced every single weekend and do like the dumbest things. Like 
he would leave the sink on full blast all night long and like completely forget. And it would just like run up the water bill to like thousands of dollars or he'd like leave like the oven on like all night for no fucking reason. He would just be like shit face and like, I don't know. Sometimes he'd like just strip in like the middle of the kitchen or like the hallway. It was disastrous and I had to go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I once had, he's my friend, Troy. He was my roommate. Well, he was supposed to be my roommate. We worked together at a restaurant. This was like, I was like 25 and he was like 21. And um, he was supposed to be my roommate, but he moved in and never gave me a dime and uh, just drank a lot and would do weird shit. He would, um, one night he, he stacked all my kitchen chairs up on my table, like when we're closing down the restaurant. And uh-huh. So I woke up and all my chairs were stacked on the table and he would just, I'm trying to think of, he would, he would, the main, like, if it would just been me and him, I probably would have been able to deal with it, but I had kids that were there half the time. Um, cause I had half and half custody with their dad and they were little. And I just, one of the reasons I wasn't with their dad was because I didn't want them to see someone like that all the time. I didn't want them to see someone being drunk like that as a regular part of everyday life to where it's normal, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, I was like, it's fine if my friend's drunk like that every once in a while around my kids, but I don't want it around them every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so it didn't work out. And he was not paying me. And so I, had to keep- <laughs> I let him live with me a second time and it also did not end well. But he was like, yeah, 30. he was 30 by then. I thought it'd be better. And he just, he walked around drinking vodka straight out of a water bottle. Thank God we, we would have noticed that he was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna notice what you know nice try <laughs> and he was annoying everyone in the house it was not just me my little brother lived with me in the basement and he was annoying because he had to walk through my little brother's living room area to get to his bedroom and so uh-huh. my brother would be playing video games and he would just be so drunk that he would just walk up and stare at him with holding his bottle of water and just stare at him and then he'd be like, <laughs> hey man what's your Playing. It was like a <laughs> drunk, awkward uncle or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> that is really awkward, honestly. <laughs> Some people just never change. <laughs> and he was so great when he was sober. That was the thing, though. I've never, I mean, I've been with, I, I have dated a lot of alcoholics. A lot. It's like a thing I had for a while. And I have never been with somebody that is so great when they're sober and then so annoying when they're drunk. They're usually still trash when they're sober too, a little, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. They're like trying an amazing person when he's not drunk. He cries a lot when he's drunk. It's all philosophical. Talking about his dad that died and it's been a while since I have a dead dad now too. So I don't want to hear it. (laughs) My dad's (laughs) dead too. I don't cry about it every freaking time I talk about him. (laughs) I can't handle the crying. Yeah, it it gets old over time. Yes. This is why my other podcast podcast is called Fat Lonely Bitch because I'm just, I just don't really have anyone to talk to. So 
I was like, maybe people will talk to me if I do a podcast. <laughs> no one's going to listen to it. That's actually how I started. And then I was like, well, I can interview people for Art of Comedy. Actually, this circles way back around to the question you asked about promoting. Um, yeah, that was, I started thinking about doing the Fat Lonely Bitch. Um, and I was like, because this guy made me mad online. Mm-hmm. He shit on my friend's joy. I don't know if you're friends with a lot of male comedians on Facebook yet. Uh, well, just to warn you, they can shit on your joy sometimes because they, they roast you. And I know you have to, yeah. I know you have to have a thick skin as a comedian and I can roast people. If somebody puts a self deprecating like joke, I will roast them and like go along with the self deprecation and we will roast each other. That's fine. But if someone posts something and they're really happy about it, I don't roast them on it. You know what I mean? Like I love my new hair. You don't even have to say <laughs> you love your hair. You're smiling. You got a haircut and they roast you on it. They're like, you look like blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you your hair? You know? And you're just like, I was happy about that. Why would you shit on my joy? Exactly. People are such full of sh- so full of shit. <laughs> shit on my friend's joy. And and we don't get a lot of it really made me mad because it's quarantine shit. We don't have a lot of joy right now, a lot of times. And so why would you want to shit on someone's joy? And so I did, I called them, I don't remember what I said, but I said, drop dead, blah blah blah, you cunt. <laughs> Gotta call him the C word. Yeah, and he, <laughs> but he, like, lost his shit on me. Like, by the time I even could read that he'd messaged, that he'd responded, he had, like, four comments. And he said, like, I was a piece of garbage. And he said, like, he doesn't know me. He doesn't know me at all. Like, I know her, and I spent two months in Omaha. He used to be an Omaha comedian, comedian who now lives in L.A. So, you know, he doesn't know who I am, and he doesn't know that I know all these people in the feed like I hung out with them a lot. You know what I mean? Like she's one of my best friends, like Brooke mm-hmm. and I, one of my best friends and he doesn't know that. But anyway, so, um, and he, but he said basically in the series of things, he basically called me a fat lonely bitch. And I was just like, what? <laughs> it's well, not even like an insult. <laughs> no, like, yes, I'm fat. That's my body type. No shit. He said, I'm lonely. <laughs> Because I had a profile picture with my dog. I'm like, <laughs> first of all, people love dogs, so fuck you. Second, who's not lonely with their dog right now? Give me a break. And then, um, yeah, I'm a bitch. So whatever. Don't, like. <laughs> yeah, water is wet. <laughs> yeah, like, what are you going to, I won. And I posted a little clip of me laughing maniacally. <laughs> but that probably gave him hell. I like to, when guys act like that, I like to, it's real easy to get them upset because I just feminize them and it pisses them off. <laughs> Look at your panties in a wad. <laughs> Settle down, silly. <laughs> it's just roasting you. Jeez, I thought you were a comedian. I thought you could handle it. I'm sorry. <laughs> God, I didn't realize that you were so sensitive. It's, <laughs> sorry, man. I shouldn't have roasted somebody that good that I don't know. <laughs> they like it. No, they don't. They hate it. 
This is why I'm in. This is why I'm single. <laughs> I don't do it to that degree to people I date, but I do it a little. I roast people, though. So have you gone to a lot of open mics or anything yet? Um, so I did my first open mic uh, before the quarantine happened. Um, so, I mean, there's only like 10 people there. It was like this random like Middle Eastern bar. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I've got like my tight three minutes. <laughs> yeah. So um, still working on other stuff. Um, <clears throat> did you do like a graduation show for the class? I did, although I felt like shit about that one, but I went anyway. Um, so I, I don't really count that one. Why do you feel, did you not feel you did well? I just didn't know what I was doing. Like, uh, my material back then was just, it was just a lot of like, it wasn't like punchline after punchline. I was just like adding a lot of like filler words. Like, mm. yeah. So I, I cut out so much stuff and now it's like three minutes long. Yeah. And, so that happens that just takes yeah. time because like the first time like comedy works in denver you call in it's a great program um and i mean it get it's a there's hundreds and hundreds of comedians trying to do it so the odds are you know hard but it's worth the payout if you do it because you can mc for people like dave Chappelle and like most of their MCs are local comedians, um, unless the headliner requests brings their own or something. So there's that chance there. But you have to call in and you call in and then you get two minutes. Your first time up is two minutes and it has to be a tight two minutes. Because um, then if you do really well, you go up to three minutes and then you're at three minutes until they send you to four minutes. And then I can't remember how the, I haven't thought that far ahead yet. Oh my gosh. I remember any more steps after that. I'm still trying to get three and now we have quarantine. I was think I was getting pretty close to getting my three. And then, I mean, I know I was going to get my three based on my performance. I did really well and they gave me good notes and it was, it was really, it was enough to do the three, but I just, you have to call in for like, right now it's like eight to 12 weeks. It used to be six to eight weeks. Oh my gosh. That's mm -hmm. so long. Ever, yeah, that's just, and then you're at three minutes until, I mean, there's a standby list, but there's only spots there if someone doesn't show up or they can, they these people in, but they usually have people from out of town there. And whenever anybody's from out of town, you're more likely to get up on the standby list, which is great for touring comedians and stuff, but it's a, it's a good, you can hang out in the green room. If you're a comedian, you can go watch it for free. You can go watch most of the shows for free if you call. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, sold out or whatever. So you can go see, like, famous comedians for for free. You usually still have to buy a couple drinks and tip the servers or whatever, but it's pretty cool. I miss hanging out. I was I was going to start doing it more. I hadn't done it enough. I was like, I just need to start going and hanging out at Comedy Works on Tuesdays. And then it was over, you know, for now. And then it got canceled. Everything's canceled, so. So you really haven't had a chance to really do too much comedy then. No, I'm super new, but I am like completely serious about this. I'm actually like planning on moving to like New York to try to like further pursue my comedy profession. 
well, you know, I don't know what you do for a living and I know we don't need more comedians in Denver, but I'll always take more female comedians and just, you know, more diversity in general. But do you have aspirations beyond stand-up? Like writing or, well, you can do writing in Denver too, but like acting or SNL stuff or anything like that? Um, probably uh, to be on like the comedy roast. Yeah. I love making fun of people like the most. Maybe not so much in my in my writing currently because um, I'm a newbie and, you know, I can't roast everyone yet. Um, I should probably send you uh, my bit soon, actually. Yeah, uh, great. Listen to I, I, I would recommend Denver. I was like, I would recommend Denver. I was concerned. I started in Wichita, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And I was concerned when I went to but I love Denver anyway without comedy. I mean, I lived there before I did comedy and I didn't want to move back here, but I had to because kids and shit. And so um, I love Denver anyway, but then Denver comedy is amazing. At least go, have you been to visit? At least go visit Denver comedy and then decide. <laughs> it's so pretty. The, there's a really great group of women there. I know there's like some drama on Facebook, but anytime you get that many people together that are creative and have, you know, comedians have egos there or we wouldn't be up there. And so there can always be problems, but most of our drama is at least funny. You know what I mean? They uh-huh. are completely annihilating each other with their words online but it's making you laugh actually okay it was funny to me when i lived in wichita to watch their drama and actually there are people that are like have that don't live in denver that have said man i really miss the denver denver drama (laughs) since we've been locked down and uh but now that i'm in it it's not as funny it's not as funny it's still still pretty funny though (laughs) it's not it's more annoying it's funny now that we're locked down if there was any, yeah, but when you have to deal with it in person with people, it's not funny. I haven't had like any of the drama necessarily been involved in the drama or been a party in a drama situation, but there's just, you know, you have to hear about it at mics and stuff sometimes, but it's also a big enough scene that you can easily keep yourself away from it too. Like if there's some drama, you can easily avoid the people that are immersed in the drama and not get involved in it. You don't have to get sucked into the drama at all new york's huge too but i don't know yeah you ever been i haven't i know a lot of new york comedians i've interviewed several on here yeah it's uh i want to go now for sure well not now but you know yeah you don't want to get the virus it's just been i was okay i had planned okay i was gonna go to it's a festival out there baltimore think or maybe it's right in Washington ah is it Cloudfest? I should know the name my brain is so not functioning at its peak at the moment for me mine is like never fun for functioning honestly so it's fine (laughs) I have no memory at the moment it's a it's a comedy festival out there you have a comedy festival near you cloud probably cloud city oh cream city no that's Wisconsin. Um, Comedy City. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> it was. Uh, that would be the most generic. Comedy City. 
gets to call their city comedy city, you know, <laughs> come on. Um, oh God damn it. Anyway, but they had, it actually, I didn't end up getting to go do it because I got divorced, but it was part of what caused me to get divorced. I mean, obviously our marriage, my third, it was my third marriage. It obviously couldn't have been that great, but this was, uh -huh. it was like a final straw situation where I finally realized that this was not going to work because I got, I submitted to it like everybody else submits to it, but they were like, um, they called me on a Saturday. They were like, Hey, you, um, can you still do the festival before we make the announcements? And I was like, yeah, I totally can. And then, um, they were, I was like, they just, they were like, we don't want to tell people and then have to back out. And I was like, I know because I produce a comedy festival because I'd done two at that point, I think. No, I was about to do my second one. And, um, I was like, yeah, I know I produce a festival. So I understand. They were like, yeah, we know who you are. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> well then really <laughs> all the way over in Washington or whatever oh really <laughs> it is Maryland that general area and um and so then she was like yeah we want you to do I think it was like I was going to do a not the not the headliner of the last show of Saturday night but like the second to last I was going to headline a show on Saturday evening that's all I knew and I was going to get 15 instead of 10 and uh but I had to leave the day before his birthday and I was coming back the day after our one year wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. And he was pissed. Yeah. Well, he wasn't pissed. I warned him when we first started talking before we ever met in person, that comedy comes first because when we first started dating, I'd only been doing it. Maybe let's see. We, our first date was Valentine's day. So I had been doing it less than a year, almost a year. I was a, mo a month shy of a year. And so I was like, comedy comes first. And I actually used his birthday and an anniversary as examples of things that I would miss if I had a good opportunity. I wouldn't do it for some bar show or whatever for 20 bucks. If I had a real opportunity, I was going to miss those things. Maybe best case he gets to come with me and we're celebrating her anniversary or his birthday at this comedy event because I'm going to do them. And he was like, no, I totally understand. I love that about you. You're so passionate about your art, you know, <laughs> really supportive. And I was like, Oh, this is amazing. You know? And then when it came down to it, he just, he didn't get mad at the time. And uh, I was so just like in my own fucking head about excited happiness about it that I didn't uh -huh. notice, but you know, that was on a Saturday. Then Sunday he was kind of pissy. Um, but he worked and I was, I did some DoorDash. So I didn't spend a lot of time with them, but like Monday evening when I got home from work, man, I was just like, what is the matter with you? You have been in a mood. What is going on? And he was like, you could at least say you're sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, what a guy. I'm not sorry though. He's like, well, I understand you're not sorry you have, you've got the thing, but you could be sorry that you're missing these things. And I was like, but I'm not sorry. <laughs> like, 
You want me to lie to you? You want me to lie to you and tell you I'm sorry when I'm not? <laughs> what do you want me to do? Um, because I'm not doing it. Because what's going to happen is I'm going to tell you I'm sorry. And you're going to be like, no, it's fine. I'm like, no, I'm really sorry. I'm not going to beg you for forgiveness. <laughs> but I'm not even sorry at all. Exactly. Gosh. If I could be like, I'm sorry, babe. And they'd be like, no, it's great. I'm so excited for you. That would, I would, I would say I'm sorry, but that's not the reaction he would have given me. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that you're not with this guy anymore. Yeah. I just bought him something to make up for it. That's what I was, I was, yeah, that's what I was going to do. But yeah, he's, uh, he's just, Mm. He was going to drag me down. He was going to distract me from comedy. So he had to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got to cut those people out real quick. Yeah. No, everybody. I, I can't even keep a guy around. They're so distracting. They're so dumb. They'll do anything to like try to get your attention. <sighs> I was just told my friend Lynette that I live here with is a lesbian. And she was telling me that because I like women, but I have no ability to pick them up. And she was like, I was like, how do you pick up women? Because I'm like, they just think I'm complimenting them. They don't get it. They think I just want to be their friend and I'm complimenting them when I tell them they, their jeans make their butt look nice. <laughs> you know? like, oh man, your butt looks really good in them jeans. They're like, thanks girl. You know, oh, no. No. I like your earrings. No, your hair's cute. Fuck. All right. <laughs> you know, and she was like, no, you gotta, you gotta be mean to them. <laughs> you gotta be like more straightforward. You just gotta be like, oh, we should get married or something. Yeah, you and then they'll like get the hint. No, I don't think married would work. That might scare them away. Oh. You gotta be, she said, you, you gotta be a little mean to them, is what she said, or something like that. Not like really mean to them but you got to roast it a little be a little mean to them i was like i'm not doing that basically everything she was telling me i needed to do to pick up women is all the stuff that i hate that men do to me and so i was like no i'm not going to treat women that way like i can't if that's what it takes to get a woman then i am not going to get a woman because i am not treating women that way if that's what they need i'll just be the nice guy that never gets laid i don't care i won't blame women i won't be angry about it but i'm not ever gonna you know what I mean like it's just I'm not gonna be fake that would be fake for me to treat women that way it would be fake for me exactly like once they get to know you they're gonna realize that you're this like super nice person and like all that nagging and stuff was like done for no reason nagging that's the word I've been trying to fucking think of <coughs> nagging I was like that then I asked her I was like well she said what you gotta do is gotta be a little mean to them and then you got to pull back and ignore, ignore, ignore. And then once, you know, you feel like they're about to just like get away from you, you just fucking, you just fucking give them so much attention. You just fucking basically love bomb them. I think my friend Lynette might be a narcissist. I probably shouldn't be taking her advice. Um, she's super funny though. And I love her. Um, but she's like, didn't you just, you just love bomb them, love bomb them, love bomb them. And I was like, well, at some point, can I just be nice to them? You know? <laughs> or just like be yourself? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, yeah, but not too nice. I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> no, I don't. All I want to do is lift women up. You know what I mean? I just want to lift women up and take men down. <laughs> this is why I'm single. This is... 
it, I'm doing it wrong with both genders. I'm treating men like that. And then, you know, and oh, you're attracting like the wrong gender. Well, yeah, cause I, tr well, I mean, they, they want to have sex with me and they like to hang out with me for a little while, men, but none of them work out for the long term. I mean, I do most of the, the leaving, but they're not happy. You know I mean? I'm doing them a favor by walking out the door because they're miserable and just not ready to call it off yet. But they'll see. They'll see once I'm gone that they're happier. They'll be like, whew, I am better off without her. Man, I feel much better now. <laughs> but that's because I, that's because I like, I don't know. But I never do the mean thing to them. I'm super, super nice. And then I'm not after they make me mad. Just don't make me mad. Everything's fine. Right, yeah. I just want Ned to treat me like my dad did. I am a special princess. You know, I'm a special princess that gets her way. Is that so much to ask? I bake cookies you should, and shit. You bake cookies? You should put that on your bio. I bake, oh or if you're on dating apps, you should put I, that on your bio. I was. I'm so fucking done. I bake cookies and shit, you know? You know, and I clean, and I get really domestic when I'm happy with a man. Like, really domestic. My best friend pointed it out, and I didn't... She was like, oh, here goes Helen Bacon again. She's getting domestic. Must have a new boyfriend. I'm like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> a lot of cookies lately that you've baked you must be dating someone new <laughs> i'm like god damn it <laughs> she knows yeah but then they treat me like shit and i don't want to do any of those nice things for them anymore and then i leave now though what i used to do is just stay around and torture them <laughs> but now i'm like this is not going to be good for either of us i'm going <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like my girls' dad, I I was like 19 and it, my older daughter was a baby. We just had the one kid. He worked and I didn't and I was going to college and taking care of the baby and I would get up. He worked like 60 hours a week. He did construction. It was very hard work. He came home very dirty. And um and I, my life was pretty easy in comparison. And so I would get up in the morning and I would cook him, um, not cook him breakfast, but make him something to eat, make him some coffee at least or something. But I would make his lunch. And um, so sandwiches wouldn't be soggy. Not that he complained about it, but I just, you know, I was going the extra mile, you know. He'd come home to dinner. I cleaned the house. He didn't have to do shit, but go to work and come home. And then like after a month or two, I was like, why don't you ever say thank you? And he was like, because that's your job. And then it ended immediately. The next morning, no coffee, no breakfast, no lunch. <laughs> came home and I was at my mother's. And then he never said anything about it, though. He never was like, why did you stop doing all that? I still kept the house clean and took care of the baby and did all the other stuff because what else did I have to do? But I didn't go the extra mile anymore. I did not go uh -huh. the extra mile because that's the extra mile. Right. You weren't even like getting paid. It wasn't your job. No, I had the baby. Okay. <laughs> I ruined my body. Um, 
and she was an awful baby. Okay. If it had been my, if it had been my younger daughter, fine. She didn't need it. She didn't want you to hold her. She would cry until you put her back in her playpen. As long as she was fed and changed, she was like, leave me alone. My older daughter just cried. Oh, she was exhausted. She walked at nine months. You're not prepared. <laughs> she talked. Who does she think she is? I know. When she was one, she talked like a three-year-old and, and ran around. She was like a three-year-old at one. It was a, but she, yeah. So. Yeah, I don't have any kids yet. I don't plan on getting any kids. That's good. I, whenever I hear women or men or anyone say that, I'm like, right on. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> if you don't want them, I'm not saying that it can't work out by chance sometimes when a parent has a kid that they didn't really want. Um, but mothers especially. It's like men, they can learn to want the baby when they have it, like when it's in their arms. It's, men are like, especially with their first one, they're like, I don't want a kid. And they get that baby and they're like, oh God, can't live without you. And they're immediately in love with the baby. Sometimes they have to grow into it. But it's such a process to give birth and carry a baby inside of you and then push it out, you know? If you have to, I can't imagine going through that process and not wanting to. I hated pregnancy, though. Fucking awful. It's terrible. It's weird. I, I hear some people really love being pregnant. I hated every fucking second of it. <laughs> four times I did it. I have four children. How'd you do it? Well, it's not, they're not easy to, they're not hard to make is the problem. <laughs> they're real easy to make for some people. Not for everybody. Some people have fertility issues and I, you know, I don't want to make you mad. I wanted to have all four of my children, even if they weren't planned. I wanted, I always wanted to have a lot of kids and, you know, so, um, I, I should have been a Mormon or something. I could have spit a kid out every year. <laughs> you know, I got the broken hips. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I want, I felt it. Like when I looked at babies, like it, my chest ached and do you like cats or dogs or I'm trying to think of something that I could. I love dogs. I really want a puppy, but I don't have the money for it. But when you see like a puppy, like your friend gets a new puppy and you go see that puppy and you hold it and you smell it and you're like, Oh my God. I know. Yeah. I need a puppy. I need one of these. That's how I was about babies. Like my whole life, even as a baby, if there was a younger baby, like when I was three, if there was a younger baby around me, I would like baby and want to carry the baby and love the baby. So, yeah. I wanted babies and my kids. And now I'm done though. <laughs> and so how old are all of, the, all of them now? 18, 19, 21 and 23. Oh my gosh, they're basically my age. How old are you? <laughs> I'm 23. Oh yeah, my oldest daughter's 23. <laughs> I thought you might be a little older because you're like when I graduated college. Yeah, no, a lot of people think that I'm usually older. Um, a lot of people in the comedy scene are a lot older for sure. You don't look older by any means, but just the way you, yeah. the way you talk and your demeanor and you're kind of fuzzy. You know what I mean? I yeah. Skin, but the way you talk and your demeanor and everything, I would think that you were, you know, like 30. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, Asian people do look really young, so there's not. Yeah. Well, good on me for not stereotyping you. <laughs> good. good job. You good get some brownie points. Good white lady. No. <laughs> um, that's just how it should be, Helen. Um, no, uh, <laughs> I never like to assume anyone's age anymore because they, I don't assume anything about anybody anymore, but for the most part, but, um, except men, um, women, I try not to assume anything, but cause I've met so like, especially doing this podcast, I've met just such a variety of women mostly. And, uh, they all have these different stories. I was going to say earlier, I did a pod or I did an interview with a, a woman. I think she's in LA. I did get an LA one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I got one. Uh, I've done a lot of these. I've been doing like two or three a day. I only have you today. <laughs> I've been doing like two or three a day. And so I haven't listened and edited all. Anyway, she also, she kept getting fired from jobs for making jokes. <laughs> That's not good. My, what kind of job did this person have? Um, I think she's in like marketing. But I think like, you know, she's a, she's a very beautiful smart, um, you know, woman who's, um, shoot, I haven't listened to the pot here. She's not, she's not a white woman. She's, <laughs> she's a Middle Eastern woman uh -huh. who's beautiful and strong and funny. And I don't think the men liked it. It wasn't inappropriate jokes, like, uh -huh. you know what I mean? But she would, like, she would put, she said she would always have, she would start out her presentations with a joke. And they didn't like her jokes. Um, they just said they didn't like, like, she needed to stop joking around so much. She and sounds like a really awesome person. It's more than one. <laughs> I think there was, like, at least two or three. She said, I kept getting fired from jobs. I didn't clarify how many jobs I was like, she was like, so I'm a, I thought maybe I should be a comedian. I was like, that is the best origin story I've ever heard. Like men couldn't handle how funny I was and kept firing me. So I was like, fuck it. I'll be a comedian. <laughs> she was just like too much. She was too, she was too many things that were intimidating to them and they couldn't handle it. It was like when women say someone or men say a woman's too pretty to do comedy. That's fucked up. I think part of it, what part of it is they assume a pretty person is a happy person or has had a good, easy life because they're good. Yeah. Life. So they just assume that they've had this good life. So how can you be a comedian if you haven't had it, you know, so because people are like happy people aren't funny or whatever. And, um, but yeah, I, I never hear, but the thing is I, I, the guy said this about one of the comedians that went through Christy Buckley's class, actually. Um, he's a younger kid, but still, whatever. He should know better. And he said to me at a show, and at this show, I was sick. <laughs> and I was, wearing, I was wearing a baseball cap. And he decides to say to me, maybe he thought I was, he knew I was a woman, obviously. But maybe he thought I was more like one of the bros or something. I don't know why this man decided to say this to me. But he said that. I was talking about Ashley and how funny she is and, um, oh, cause he's talking, he was talking shit on comedy classes and I was like, I don't know, Ashley and G, you know, she's so funny and she went to the class and I think they're great. And then he's like, she's too pretty to be funny. 
And my friend, another male key, comedian who was standing next to me, walked away. He was like, <laughs> I'm not getting into this. <laughs> he was just like, he is fucked up and I am going to get out of here because he is going to try to look to me for help and there's no help for this boy. And I was like, what's that supposed to mean? What is she supposed to do? What job should she be doing then if she's not a comedian? What should she aspire to? And he said, I don't know. A wait secretary. No, a secretary or a waitress <laughs> or something. And I was like, a secretary or a waitress? What does that have to do with her being good looking? And he was like, okay, maybe a model. I was like, she can't be a model. She's like 5'2". Okay, <laughs> what are you talking about? And uh, <clears throat> I just, it, it escalated, it escalated. I can't even remember what all was said now, but it escalated to um, a point where he could tell that I was mad. <laughs> and he was like, um, cause he started, he said something about, he brought up something. About, I don't know how he, brought, he was, he's a mixed gentleman and he brought up something about race. And I was like, what does the plight of the, what does that have to do with anything? And I was like, in fact, black women have it the worst. And so I started going on this thing about, cause he was trying to say, well, you know, like saying the, basically he was trying to say that the plight of like the black man is worse than women oppression or whatever but he's not he wasn't articulate or intelligent enough to really say it but I knew that's what he was saying I don't remember exactly what he said but I was <laughs> like in fact black women have it the worst I was just like so we'll talk about racism and sexism all mixed up into one <laughs> and he was just like look I'm gonna I'm gonna walk away now before I make you mad and I was like too late <laughs> and he's like you know what I'm going to walk away because I respect you and I think you're really funny and I don't want to make you mad. I love your material, you know, and I was like, I don't even remember what any of yours is. I don't even know your name. <laughs> he's a nobody too. You know what I mean? He's, like, he's an open micer. Nobody kid. I was like, who, do, who, who the fuck do you think you are? So I told her about it and she was like, which one? Tell me which one. <laughs> told that she was sitting with two other girls from the class. She was like, that dude said that I was too pretty to be funny. And both these girls are also very beautiful. All three of these girls are beautiful and amazing inside and out. And he, uh, they were like, what? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> we didn't do anything to him or anything, but we, we, because we watched him do his set and he was so bad that we were just like, we don't need to do anything about him. He, he's going to weed himself out. He's, <laughs> you know what I mean? He'll either he's move away or quit. Cause he's not funny enough to handle it. There's no way. But, uh, yeah, I told her, I was like, and I had a few passionate words for him. I got a little passionate. I get mama bear about the new comedians, no matter what age they are. And she is young. I mean, she's in her mid twenties late twenties, but she's married and owns a house. She doesn't have any kids, but she's way more mature than me. <laughs> I have two roommates and a 2001 Toyota Corolla, you know, and I took the passenger seat out of it so that I can sleep in it when I travel. That's awesome. I don't need a passenger seat. You know how often I've, I've had that car for like months. I, I've rarely had a passenger in it. And it's when I'm picking up some comedian dude that doesn't own a car and needs a ride to the mic so he can sit in the back seat get some <laughs> your leg room you know doesn't matter yeah so i don't need a passenger seat but 
yeah. That's why I want to like, that's why I was like about empowering women. What really my, my, my real goal is, my real goal is to take over the world, the others, at least the You're going to take over. Huh? You're going to take over. What was that? Sorry. Sorry for nothing. The comedy world. Okay. With, with an army of female LGBTQIA and troubled youth. I don't know how that's going to work in. I really am just doing that for the grants. Um, you got to work with the kids. Um, we can catch some of the, hopefully, I mean, I, I'm not going to limit the troubled youth to females in, in the queer community. So I'll take anybody, but you know, there'll be a lot of those people in there. And so the others, as I call them, I just want to take over the comedy with the others and get all these voices out there. You know, all these different diverse voices that, that are out there that I've been interviewing. Just this alone is getting them out there. But, you know, I want them on the stages and I want people that are going to get PhDs and help them through college. You know what I mean? I want to help them get through college and get their PhD and then spread the wor world with more PhD holding comedy others. And basically any but a straight, cisgendered male yeah basically anybody but them i want to and i just want the comedy world to be like 50 percent at least of the others that's it just 50 percent i will take 50 percent of the others and then the other 50 percent can be them fine i'll take that because i don't i mean i've never crunched the numbers but i'd say it's 80 20 maybe 70 30 yeah, I, I really do feel like you could probably make that happen. I, I know lots of like women are starting to like get into comedy, especially in DC now. And I think that comedy classes appeal a lot to more women because, because you know, I am not afraid to walk into a room full of men I don't know. Um, but I'm kind of a dude. I'm like gender fluid. So I'm like... <laughs> I am 30% dude, you know, and so, and I hung out with boys growing up mostly, and my cousin was my best friend. I only had brothers. I didn't have sisters. So I'm very comfortable navigating the world of a bunch of men, and I, and especially now that I, I know what women talk about when they talk about getting older. Like, I have a friend who's 60, and, and the freedom you have once you're 60, because I'm already seeing it. And she's like, man, I can't wait for you to be 60. And I say that to women now when they're like 30, I'm like, man, I can't wait for you to be 40 because <laughs> it stops being a factor because they're not looking at you for sex anymore. Like not mm -hmm. the, the older you get, the fewer there are trying to fuck you for the most part. Right? <laughs> well, I can walk into a room full of men and feel safe because most of them aren't going to try to have sex with me and they will just talk to me like a human. <laughs> I get to just have, you just going to have a conversation with me. <laughs> yeah. And so it's great, but you know, it's not like that for most, for a lot of women and they, they don't feel comfortable going into a space that's predominantly male dominated. So I think the classes will get more people in there, but once we take over with more others, Mm -hmm. be like, oh, that mic is mostly others. I'm an other. I feel safe there immediately. I don't need, you know what I mean? So, yeah. 
that's really, and then those others, the PhDs, they'll start being actors. They'll be on SNL. They'll be in the movies. They'll be on the screens. They're the voices that the world is going to hear. And they're the voices that that's how you create social change. Now you get on screens. Exactly. I mean, look what happened. Like people always bitch about social, social justice warriors, but I see them get shit done. Like we're in a lockdown and we were able to, you know, produce enough hubbub to get them to do something outcry. You know what I mean? And so, uh, like, because there's stuff that we don't even know about that happens, and so now they're like, oh, no, they're communicating, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so we can take over, and then maybe people will stop being, maybe this country will be a little less terrible. You know? <laughs> Just a little less terrible. That's all I want. And if I, yeah. You know, uh, and I'll get to party and have a lot of fun, I think, while I do it. Because comedians are fun, man. If you're not hanging out with them every day. The same people, you know what I mean? Like, it's fun to go to do stuff. And then I just want, I want to be well-known enough about famous people to get invited to their private island weddings. But nobody knows who I am. And I don't even care if I'm rich. I'll go just go hang out with rich people. That's fine. Nice. <laughs> I'll with rich people. I'll go to their parties. You know, it'll be, that'll be fine. I'm fine with that. <laughs> great. That's all I want. I just want to hang out with rich people. My gosh. No, I mean, maybe you'll, you'll be one of those rich people one day and then you'll be hosting those like wedding islands or like island weddings. Not my wedding. <laughs> three times enough I um I don't want to be famous I don't want to be like famous in the general public famous that you couldn't walk down the street and I have no I don't have aspirations for it and that rarely happens to people that work trying to do it you know what I mean not in the comedy world or anyway you know it if I'm famous it's not going to be for comedy it's going to be because I murder somebody oh my gosh yeah it's going to be for a court case because I'm going to murder a man because there's going to, I'm going to, one more man's going to tell me uh, that I helped him as I'm breaking up with him and thank me uh, for helping him. And I'm going to stab him in the eye with a fork. It's going to happen. I think that'll make the news. Did you hear about that um, one lady who bit off this man's tongue where they were like kissing and she said that she didn't want his tongue in her mouth and then he put his tongue in her mouth and then he she bit it off no yeah apparently that happened recently sorry that's super random no that's totally along the lines of what i'm talking about though <laughs> yeah he's lucky it wasn't his dick yeah she actually got in trouble for that though why would she get in trouble for it she said don't put it in my mouth Exactly, but yeah, you can't just like cut people's like organs out. Well, don't stick your fucking tongue in my mouth when I say clearly not to. <laughs> Stop it. Stop doing that. I mean, it's fine if you did it once and didn't know I didn't want you to. Mm -hmm. 
but if I told you to not put your tongue in my mouth. Right, as a fair warning. And then you put my tongue in. I mean, <laughs> it's called consent. You can right. draw consent at any moment. I could just hang up this meeting right now if I want to. If I don't want to talk to you anymore, I can just fucking end the meeting. Exactly. My fucking right. <laughs> um, yeah, like, that's why I don't think, like, ghosting is really that. I've been ghosted, okay? But rarely have I ever been ghosted where I'm like, what happened? Why would he ghost me? You know? <laughs> I know why. I can be far. It's a little test. You push a little farther. You're like, oh, too much? All right. Next. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> I think ghosting is, it's, I think it's still immature. I feel like if you guys like had a thing or something, you probably should like at least like talk about why things didn't work out. Cause you could come up with all these like really random scenarios. Like maybe you've come on too strong or something, but well, maybe they actually like that, but it was probably something else. Like they thought yeah. you were like weird or something. Well, the thing is, is like, if they're not mature enough to communicate that to me, then I don't want to be with them anyway. That's all they exactly. That's all the information yeah. I need. Like they gave me, they don't have to tell me why we're not compatible. Um, there was one guy that we hung out like, and I did get pissed about this one. <laughs> and I demanded, a, I demanded to know what the fuck was wrong. Um, because we hung out and um, we met online and we were talking and everything was great. And then, we went on one day and he came to an open mic with me for the day and it went really, really well. And he got along with the comedians and he was super, he was funny too. And it was amazing. And then he kissed me. And it was all romantic. He really fucking reeled me in and turned on the charm. He woke me up in the morning. I wasn't going to fuck him the first date, but <laughs> that's where I fucked up. But we had sex and then I like, he went home and things were fine. But then he asked me to stay the night with him, like, the next night or, like, two nights later. It was very quick. He was like, why don't you come to my house? Because you can't – I had an air mattress. Couldn't really stay at my house. But um, he doesn't have roommates. He has his whole apartment to himself. It just makes more sense to be at his place if I'm going to stay the night. And so he was like, come stay the night. And I was like, okay. So I go and I stay the night. And uh, I thought we had a lovely time. I thought we had lovely sex. It was great. It was I, everything. We, he held me. He spooned me and rubbed his nose in my hair and like breathed in real deep and stuff, you know, like, <laughs> oh, and just like, he's like, he kept saying things like, I love holding you. Like he would say the word love, but not that he loved me, but I love how you feel in my arms. Shit like that. Right. And then uh, when I woke up in the morning, he woke me up with a cup of coffee that he had made exactly the way I like coffee. And I had not told him how I like coffee. Wow. And then he had breakfast. He didn't bring me the breakfast in bed, but he woke me up with the coffee. He was like, here, drink this. Breakfast is almost done. And I'm like, oh my God. And I said that to him. I was like, oh my God, you're amazing. Like, this is like, what? You have breakfast? is that bacon? You know, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I thanked him. I was appreciative of what he was fucking doing. 
Um, and then like we didn't hang out the next night. And then the next night he, he asked me to stay two nights in a row. My car was broke down and it was in the shop and he was, he took me to work in the morning and stuff. Um, yeah. And kissed me goodbye and everything. And then he, he was like, why don't you just, it was like a Thursday, a Wednesday and a Thursday or something like that. He's like, why don't you just come and stay the night at my house two nights and I'll take you to work on Thursday and Friday. So you don't have to ride the bus. And I was like, that would be amazing. Thank you. So I go over there. We spent those two nights together. As far as I knew, everything was fine. He dropped me off Friday morning at work, kissed me goodbye. Everything looked great. And I gave him a note that just thanked him for everything he'd done that was special. Like, thank you for making me breakfast and coffee. You know, I thanked him. And then he fucking um, just got really distant. Like, just all Friday, he was super distant. And he said that he had, he just had a lot of work to do. He worked from home. It made sense. He just spent two day, two evenings hanging out with me. He's just going to be busy. He's going to work from home. And I'm like, cool, cool. Um, I get that. And so, you know, I went to a mic. I had a show, actually. I went to the show. I was on a show. And then there was a mic after the show. And I was just kind of like, I felt it in my gut that something was off. And I was like complaining to anybody that would listen, you know, all the guy friends, because there are mostly guys there about how this dude is totally, I can totally feel it. He's about to fucking, like, I thought he would text me and tell me, I, I don't want to see you. I feel like I can feel it. They're like, you're being paranoid. Everything was great. I was like, nope, I feel it. And then he just hadn't texted me all night and I didn't text him a lot. I was just like, Hey, good night or whatever. And then the next day it was like Saturday. And so I went and watched a brunch show and after the brunch show, so it was like 1 PM. I was like, okay, what the fuck? I tried to call him and he rejected my call. And I was like, okay, what is going on? Like, why is everything okay? What, why are you being weird? And he sent me this long ass text about how great I was, but that we just aren't compatible. And he's been walking and thinking about it, walking around the mall. Cause that's what he did. He walked the mall like an old person. Uh -huh. <laughs> you live in Colorado. The weather is nice. Why would you go walk around the mall? But anyway, that was the only thing that was wrong with him that I could find at that point. But he didn't tell me why. And then he blocked me. And I didn't like try to find him on anything. But he was in my phone as a, you know, a contact. So when I friend finally talked me into downloading Snapchat, Snapchat suggested him as a friend because his phone number was in my thing. And I was like, ha ha, got you motherfucker. And I can see if you read it. And so I didn't go off on him and crazy. I was just like, look, you know, we hung out a lot. You requested my presence so much and we talked a lot and I thought we really connected and maybe I did go off on him a little. I was like, and I don't think that, I don't think I deserve to be treated like a fucking, like a cum dumpster. Okay. And just throw <laughs> away like a piece of trash because you're not mature enough to express yourself. Okay. I want to know why. I don't care if it's going to hurt my feelings. I want to know why you think we're not compatible. And he was like, we just aren't okay. Well, no, first he tried to act like he wasn't like he didn't know who I was and it wasn't him. Was, <laughs> Look, 
and I told him how I found him. I was like, I didn't go looking for you. Snapchat suggested you to me. Like, I know it's you. I can see your avatar, you idiot. It's you. And um, then he finally admitted it was him, and he was like, fine. He was like, you know, I just, um, we're just not compatible. You're, you, you, you were starting to get clingy, and I could tell. And then you, um, I just didn't feel good around you. And I wasn't the sex. I was starting to not like the sex. Okay. And I was just like, okay, first of all, you were loving the sex. <laughs> and I know it. That is just a low blow that you're trying to hurt my feelings, but fuck you. I don't care. But, um, I was getting clingy because you were driving the speed you know what I mean? Cause you look really late on. I never would have gotten that clingy if he had not laid on the fucking charm. He was trying to right. like him. Then when I liked him, he's like, Oh, you like me too much. And, then, <laughs> and I think he said he didn't feel good around me. Cause after spending two evenings with me in a row, you know, I got comfortable with him and started roasting him a little bit, just a little bit, tiny little bit of roasting, nothing major, just a tiny little bit of roasting. And he was like, no, but, the reality was, is that he was way too soon out of a new relationship. He was in a custody battle for a two-year-old. That's what was really wrong with him. That was oh my God. Or a four-year-old, but he was in a custody battle and his ex was a cunt. And I, I, I didn't want to get enthralled in that. And I don't want to raise a four-year-old, but he was so nice, you know? And, um, <laughs> he was just so nice to me. And so, you know, coffee in bed and bacon, I'm yours, you know, <laughs> I am yours, but yeah. And, and he shouldn't have been dating at all. It hadn't been that long since they'd been broke up. He was still in the middle of it. And she sounded like a very domineering woman. And so he was very ultra sensitive to any woman being any sort of dominating to him. So he just, I wasn't, I what we, he's right. We weren't compatible, but that is the way he could have framed it to not make it like, you suck and I don't want to be with you. Cause that wasn't the truth. The truth wasn't that I suck. The truth was, is that he just, you know, that he sucked. The truth was that he sucked. He sucked. And rightfully so. He just got out of a seven year relationship. He's in a custody battle for his kids. He just has no business dating. No business. He, if he wants to just go out and keep things casual and fuck around, do that. Say that. That's what he needed to be doing. If anything, but don't try to court a woman. He was courting me. That's what I told him. Like you were courting me, you know what I mean? <laughs> like some courting. You weren't just hanging out with me. But but we weren't compatible. But that's like I usually don't do that. I don't usually demand an explanation. But that was like a I'm not falling for that shit again. Some dude brings oh, man. Some dude brings me coffee now and be like, where's my bacon, bitch? And see <laughs> if he sticks around. Lay it all out there. <laughs> no, that's not going to work, is it? I should just probably not date till I figure this out. Yeah. That, that, that probably sounds like a better idea. I wish I could just not worry about it at all. That would be great. But I'm 42 and... I care a lot less now than I've ever have. I just don't, I, yeah, I, I mean, if I don't, haven't completely given up by now, I don't think I ever will. 
maybe someday, I really hope that someday I just stop caring. I'm hoping when my ovaries fully die, <laughs> they're on their way out. I'm actually want to go to a doctor and tell them just to take them out. Oh my God. I don't have my uterus. This is a lot of information. So, but I'm hoping that when my ovaries go, um, that it will just completely kill my sex drive. I know it doesn't happen to every woman, but it does happen to some. And I'm hoping, mm, I hope for it. So I don't have the sex drive. It won't get me in trouble. Exactly. Yeah, it'd be amazing. I up my antidepressants because I'm really supposed to be on a higher dose. Uh-huh. But it kind of makes me not be able to do comedy. But if I go up a higher dose, it kind of takes my sex drive down to a more manageable thing. So I was like, I'm going to take extra drugs. Get this under control. <laughs> I just need a doctor to take. Is there a pill that will not make me feel weird and I still can perform comedy, but I won't care about sex? Uh. That pill. I want that pill. That's what they need to make. Like the anti-boner pill. An anti-lady boner pill. Like something that just kills your sex drive. Is there some sort of like chemical can, can, castration they can do for women? <laughs> like removing the ovaries. That would be like castrating a man. That's his a male ovaries. Yeah, I want to be castrated. I, I want to be castrated. <laughs> so I stop caring about fucking men. The sex at all with women, anyone. I just want to. I want to be castrated so I don't care about sex anymore. Oh my gosh, you need to ask, ask your doctor about that. I know. I don't think they'll give it to me if I go in with that angle. <laughs> I need you to remove my ovaries. They're ruining my life. They're destroying my life. <laughs> I need them out. I don't need them anymore. <laughs> my oldest kid's 18. What do I need my ovaries for? They're useless. Exactly. They're dying anyway. Just put them out of their misery. <laughs> Time to take old, oh, man. old yeller out. You know, the fact that you are 23 makes something make sense. Because you're like my kid, and I'm like your mom's age. Because my kids have to listen to me talk like this. They watch my comedy and stuff. I'm trying to, like, put myself in the place of, like, a 23-year-old listening to their mom. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just, I haven't had, you know, I don't have kids and I definitely don't date guys. So, um, not very relatable, unfortunately. Actually don't really date that much. Actually, I'm just a, a nerdy Asian that like sits, I, I just sit in my room and like I write all day. God, you're so lucky. Man. I don't know if that's lucky. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, you know, like people say, but people that are asexual, you know, they just don't mm -hmm. care about sex, but then there's people that are aromantic and they literally don't care about it and they don't think about it. I would get so much done. It's so amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's relatable material, I guess, but your material is going to be unique. Yeah, mine is definitely unique. Um, I mean, I basically look like a straight woman. Everyone thinks that I'm a straight woman. And so uh, my stuff is about the lens of um, a lesbian looking straight woman um, and how like society treats me. Yeah. 
I wasn't assuming your sexuality either. I was just rambling on with my own stories like I do. <laughs> I don't want to just ask people. I mean, I guess I can because of the nature of this podcast. But I don't just want to be like, I guess I can just be like, what's your, what's your gender identity? What pronouns do you, <laughs> you know, I could do all that, I guess, but I kind of just like to let it come out in the conversation when they want to say it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like if you like, sh- you're, if you're straightforward and you ask, it kind of sounds like you're trying to come on to them or something. Yeah. Come on to them or just be real nosy. And that's yeah. a lot of people when you're talking to like, when they find out somebody's trans, they like to ask questions they shouldn't be asking them. You know, <laughs> you have the surgery yet? And so I don't want to even make them feel that I'm starting to get into that conversation with them. You know, um, it doesn't really matter necessarily. It kind of matters for the purposes of this podcast because you do have like the unique voice that you don't hear a lot because like you do hear Les. I was just talking to my friend Lynette. I'm trying to talk her into being a comedian. She may be my first art of comedy student, but because um, she's super funny. She just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> she just needs a little push. And anyway, but I was like, she has a unique lens that I don't hear a lot of lesbians talking about. And a lot of the lesbians I know um, that are su- successful anyway are like married and sometimes they have kids. And so they have this relatable content with breeders, you know, they have this relatable content with them that's from a lesbian lens, which is important too because it's like, it makes them see like there's there's a there's a woman that comes here that plays the guitar, Kristen Key, and she's super funny and Looney Bin loves her and it sells out, and she's hilarious and she writes really funny songs and she's great. She's just a hilarious person like all the time, but she has a wife and you know and stuff and and but that's good so they can see like oh she has problems with her wife just like me you know so <laughs> that plays an important role in like what I'm trying to do, but all the voices are important, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that it's important for the queer community to hear other queer voices that they may not be hearing. You know Definitely, I mean? for sure. Yeah, there's not many who are vocal about like their issues because I mean, uh, society is kind of just, it, it's, it's uncomfortable for them to hear. Because the stereotypes are true in the community as well as outside the community. I mean, and there are people that fit those stereotypes. Don't get me wrong. There totally are. Mm-hmm. But it, if you tell someone you're a lesbian, they automatically have these stereotypes about what you are. Like I have a friend, James, who is a gay man, but he's like, he doesn't really care about sex. And he's not like a pretty boy. And he's not, he has a lot of trouble trying to date men because he's not really, he doesn't want a picture of their penis. He doesn't want he doesn't care about sex as much as, as they do, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's hard for him to date because he's just, he doesn't, and then nobody hears those voices and there's not like a community of those people getting together to where they can, I think he might be asexual. (laughs) At this point. Huh? At, At this point. Yeah. I don't think that, and I have a friend Tambra who's straight, but she's asexual. And it's really hard for her too. It's really hard because dudes are like, wait, you have no interest in the sex? She's like, no, but I, and she has to explain it all to them. And it's like, they are not getting it at all. So, um, yeah. But then if you were aromantic, you wouldn't care about relationships even. 
romantic mm-hmm. relationships either. And then problem solved. Yeah, you're just basically living to survive at that point. Not if you get into a creative art like comedy or something, or painting or any of the creative arts. That's true. You can, or science, anything. You know, your brain power, I mean, it can go bad if you're evil, as long as you're a good person, but it can be good, but you're, because all of your, so much of your brain gets used up thinking about those, just for even the average person, you know what I mean? It's all this Mm -hmm. drive to get married and have kids. And, you know, so even for the average person, your brain is like taken up by sex, if nothing else, or relationships, you know? And so all that energy and focus and thought could be used towards something else because you're not having, that's less thoughts entering your brain. So there's more room. There's only so much room in your brain. (laughs) Never really thought of it that way, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I I could get so much more done. Not that people aren't brilliant and get stuff done without it, but I just feel like I could get so much more done creatively if I had more space in my head. Oh, gosh. That puts a lot of pressure on you, though. You're like, well, I hope I don't suck because what's my excuse? (laughs) (laughs) You're so young. I am really young. My gosh. You'll be fine. You don't, that's the thing about, like I've talked to some people that have done like women that have done comedy for a long time. And, um, you know, they were young like you when they started and they've been doing it for 20 years. And they were like, you know, I kind of, my comedy grew as I grew and I found my voice in comedy and it all happened together. You know what I mean? And how mm-hmm. it helped them find their voice they felt maybe sooner than they would have if they weren't in comedy. Because when you're 23, you're still trying to figure out, like, who the fuck you are. Exactly. That's why you shouldn't have children. You don't even know if you're going to like them. Yeah. No, I, I definitely don't plan on giving birth. I mean, you could think you want to like them now, and then you have it, and you're, like, 20 years from now, you're like, God, I shouldn't have been a mother. <laughs> That was a mistake. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. Because at a certain point, it gets real hard to get rid of them, you know? <laughs> Are they still living with you? No, thank God. <laughs> I can't afford it. That's how I ended up back in Wichita. They're in Denver. My kids are very, I know I'm talking a lot of shit, but you got to remember I wanted them. <laughs> right, right. These That's are not examples of how I felt. I was happy to move away. But I, my job as a parent was to raise self-sufficient people that were productive members of society. And I also understood that to be a productive, useful, you know, member of society, you also have to not be totally fucked in the head, right? So it's a balancing act between making sure they were responsible and productive, but not like just crushing their spirits, you know? Right. It's about, and with four of them, you have to treat them all different. You can't treat all your kids the same. They're all motivated by the same thing. You just got to figure out what motivates them. Wow. This is what my marketing classes in college did the most for me. You got to find out what motivates the kids and then reward or punishment based on those motivations. Like, yeah, because my youngest, they are not uh, at all social ever. They've never been social growing up. They, they, they have a couple close friends. They've never been a social butterfly. They, so grounding them to their room 
That didn't does do nothing for them. They're like, yeah, I'll go in my room. And if, if I'm like, fine, I'm going to take away everything in your room. I'll take away your video games. Let's go to sleep. That was not going to motivate them. They're the most stubborn. I quit trying to motivate them because they're the most stubborn person I've ever met. But <laughs> I was like, you got to be self-motivated at a certain point or you're never going to, I'm not dragging you through life. But right. They turned out all right. They're pretty great. They just graduated high school. I'm pretty proud of them. <laughs> they graduated high school all on their own. I didn't help them. I quit caring about their grades years ago. That's amazing. Yeah. Did your parents care about your grades? Um, no, I actually did not grow up in like an academic family at all. Like none of them, my parents did not go to school actually. Yeah. They like did middle school or high school and then they dropped out. And so they didn't really give a shit about like school for me. They thought I was like all BS. They're like, oh, there's so many kids who graduate and they can't even get a job. They're in like so much debt and they just, they didn't believe in it for me. That's so it. I actually. Sorry, go ahead. You guys. Uh, um. So, I mean, I actually went to school as, like, an act of rebellion to them awesome. in, a, in a weird sense where, like, most parents would really want their child to go to school. My oldest daughter once rebelled against me when she was 14 by becoming a Christian for a minute. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, she went through a religious phase of rebellion. That's pretty funny. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's also a, a non-stereotypical Asian story yeah yeah i guess it's just because they were just they were just like peasants growing up and so they had like a different mindset where are they from um so they're from thailand okay yeah i mean everybody just they all have those stereotypes of asians like you know you know <laughs> i don't need to tell you <laughs> better than i do <laughs> yeah so you got a lot of stereotypes that are being labeled on to you just uh, yeah just when people look at you you're being labeled as straight <laughs> you're being labeled as probably chinese sorry that's what yeah that or like i'm super smart or like i'm really good at math yeah Jack which is a uh, chinese right yeah, yeah. chinese yeah yeah you had any shit because of it nobody's fucked with you have they have has anyone what giving you shit because of china and the virus and all that no, I actually haven't, thankfully. No, I know there's like so many hate crimes going on where people are just like getting punched randomly. I'm like, what are you doing? Like I, Asian people are probably the most weakest like race in society. <laughs> like, and you're like beating them up for it. I don't know of anybody that was physically attacked, but I know a guy, I don't even think he's Asian. <laughs> I think he's Hispanic. But, and I also knew Hispanic people. I knew Asian people that were yelled at by about by Trump supporters about going back to Mexico and they're like, I'm Asian. You know, it's like, <laughs> they can't, they, they're like, you're brown, go wherever, whatever brown person I hate right now. You're not white and I hate you. Um, yeah, so they, uh, yeah, but they, I mean, they just had like slurs yelled at them and stuff. A couple people are, or, or some that I know are, that are Asian or whatever, they've had some slurs thrown at their way, but no one's a physically attacked him that I'm aware of, but, and that's in Denver though. In Denver, they had slurs thrown at them. Like, is, the is Denver, is Denver like very liberal? It is. But the problem is right now that the only people really out and about a whole lot are the non-liberal people in their big trucks. 
<laughs> they're everywhere. <laughs> you know, so yeah, yeah. They're, they're in they're in Colorado. They're there. They come into Denver because it's the big city, and then yeah. So, but but for the most part, you're insulated from a lot of that, especially unless you go up to like Fort Collins and Loveland or Greeley. It's pretty close to Denver. But um, I mean, but Denver's a pretty diverse city. I mean, as I mean, it's it's a pretty white city, but for as white cities go, it's pretty diverse. If that makes sense. <laughs> um, it's pretty diverse for a white city. I mean, but I come from Wichita. Like my children, uh, my my youngest two went to middle school, um, most of middle school in Colorado, and when we moved back here, we went to the zoo. And my son, who is a he's he's a blonde haired, you know, blue eyed white man. You know, but he's looking around at the zoo and he's like, man, it is white here. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> it is white. But his school was mostly Hispanic. I mean, there was like 20 white kids in the school and he was him and, and, and his younger sibling were two of them. And so, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's like, it is white here. I was like, yep, that's Kansas. It is snowing up in here. Yes. <laughs> but yeah it's a, it's a Denver to sell Denver again it's a great town and the comedy scene's cool and there's a lot of very supportive women there of all ages we got uh, Lily she's 18 she's super cool uh, <laughs> yeah. marijuana's legal there marijuana's legal why didn't I lead with that <laughs> because the comedy scene I think rivals legal marijuana that's how good the comedy scene is in Denver. I think <laughs> that they are, I mean, I can't pick one that's, you know, which one's better? Which one's better? <laughs> but I love mountains too, though. I'm not really a nature hiker person, obviously, but I love mountains. That's more about my whiteness than my weight. <laughs> I know big girls that hike. It's, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like the option because like if the city gets overwhelming, when I was young, I really wanted to move to New York, though. I really mm -hmm. was in high school before I had kids. I just really wanted to be in New York. Where are you, like, born? Like, are you born in a little city? I was born in China. I'm kidding. No, I was born in um, Northern Virginia. <laughs> North Virginia? Yeah, so it's, like, really close to D.C. Um, I didn't go too far from home. At least it was in West Virginia. Oh, definitely. I'd probably, I don't even know what I would be like if I grew up in West Virginia. That place sounds people? extremely racist. Huh? Those Appalachian people? Yeah. Like I saw a documentary on it. I was like, this is in America, right? This isn't a third world country. This is Was it like related to incest or something? There's probably that. They didn't really get into that part in the documentary. <laughs> Just how poor they lived up there. And this wasn't that long ago. I'm sure it's still happening. Yeah, it was, you know, the, the Pentecostals that dance with snakes and stuff, you know what I'm mm -hmm. talking about? Yeah, they were up there. They, they didn't wear shoes except in the winter. Some real, like, uh, back holler, coal mine, fucked up weird shit. Just poor. Just very poor up there. But they, like, that's just how they live. It's like they don't even know there was another option. Because they don't come out of the mountain. Yeah. They're just up there. It's like like those those Indian tribes or native tribes they found on an island that had never been contacted with modern man. It's almost like that. 
crazy. My gosh. That's yeah. All, that's all I think of when I think of West Virginia. Or like just like very racist, like white people or something. Oh yeah. I've never been there. I'd like to go. Not up into the Appalachians where the Appalachian people are. I'm not. You sure? I mean, it's mountain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not that brave. You're not that white. I'm kidding. Or crazy. <laughs> yeah. To even, if I had a real reliable car, maybe I'd drive through. Walk it down. <laughs> no, I don't think they attack people or anything, but I would obviously, I can't hide anything from my face. So I would just be driving like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I'd be a white woman. It'd be real annoying. <laughs> Wookie Lou. Um, all right. Well, this has been a really great conversation. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to, um, yeah, send me a clip. Add me on Facebook. I would ask if you have anything to promote, but like you haven't even got that far yet. Well, I, I do have like a Zoom show coming up um, on Saturday. Oh. If you're really bored, you should definitely attend. It's with, um, I think we have one mutual friend. I think that's uh, the guy who does uh, stand-up comedy to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'll be at, I'll be at that show um, on the 16th. Yeah. I'll be I, one I, of the fresh faces. Sweet. I'll watch for sure. I, I, <laughs> I uh, you know, I don't have anything better to do. Definitely, yeah. Um. No, I, no, I'm excited. Yeah, I want to see. I want to watch comedy, but I do want to watch your clip of actual stand-up if you have one. It's different online. But, um, yeah, or do you have an Instagram or anything? Yeah, I'll uh, definitely uh, send you my Instagram at Terrasoup. Won't, won't be out by Saturday. <laughs> it won't be out. I'm, like, behind on editing, and I need to get back to Denver where I have, like, my two 21-inch monitors and my mouse, because all I have is my laptop here at my friend's. And it's just like, argh, it's just too much. I need more than one screen. I need a mouse. So I'm going to edit it when I get back. But um, which hopefully will be soon. Hopefully it'll be this week. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck with uh, promoting the art of comedy. Let me know if you want more um, advertising help or want to yeah. do any more like random interviews. I could definitely try to help promote your um, nonprofit yeah. thing. That would be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you hear anybody in the... I mean, I want to branch out nationally, hopefully. I got to get going in Denver first, but I'd love to have little, little satellite art of comedy things it's everywhere. Take over the world. We'll go. <laughs> but thank you for talking to me for like two fucking hours. Yeah, no problem. Enjoy the rest of your night. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye.